You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's going on, everyone? I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle, alongside sports editor Robert Cessna here in the Eagle newsroom as Texas A&M gears up for the second-to-last Southwest Classic against Arkansas up at AT&T Stadium. Uh, Cease, what's just kind of your initial thoughts on on this game and um, the fact that it's only two more trips up to Dallas? Well, a couple things. A couple weeks ago, Travis, I I was looking at this matchup, and I'm thinking I give A&M a big edge because the way Wegman and the offense was coming along – And then the flip side, Arkansas was coming off that bad home loss to BYU, which they didn't play well. Now, you talk about how quickly things can change Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking, "Eh, yeah, it's a rivalry game, but A&M has kind of owned them. So suddenly uh, the first two shockers, I mean, obviously Wegman is out for the year, and I was shocked at how well Arkansas played at LSU. And I I always like to think it's hard for a team to gain some kind of confidence awful loss, but I would think that Arkansas has to feel awful good about how well they play in Death Valley. So, make, make answer your, short, your question a long way. A lot of things have happened in seven days. Yeah, exactly. Let's start with the first thing you mentioned there, and it's the biggest story. Connor Wegman uh, this week ruled that he is out for the season. They said... They went and got initial x-rays. Those were negative. They got an MRI. That was negative. As kind of the swelling went down, Connor Wigman had some pain that they couldn't really explain still, so they went and had a CAT scan, and that's where they saw the damage to the bone in the right foot-ankle area that's going to need surgery and going to put them out uh, for the remainder of the season. So it's Max Johnson's uh, time to step up. It's a role he's been in several times in his career. What is your confidence level uh, with this Aggie offense with Max Johnson uh, at the helm instead of Connor Wegman? Well, I don't think a lot of things change. Number one, Connor Wegman, a lot of people were saying by the end of the year, this guy might be the top one or two, three quarterbacks in the SEC. I'm not saying that might not happen, but he was struggling mightily in the first half against Auburn. He didn't look himself. And that happens sometimes, particularly when you're only a redshirt sophomore making seven or eight starts. So, you know, it's hard to anoint a kid king that's 16 years old sometimes. So that being said is I wasn't sold that because I wasn't people saying anything about Haynes King, you know, and I don't want to just disparage either guy, so to speak. But until you do it, you haven't done it. And the good thing is Johnson's done a lot in quality competition, which Aggie saw firsthand when he was at LSU. But now there's a lot of things I wonder. He threw that such a great pass you know, for the touch. But then I'm asking, are they going to alter the playbook a little bit because you don't have that quality backup guy? Does that come into your mind? Or is it, you know, r- scramble when you can? Okay, a suddenly had a bad luck with quarterbacks health-wise. So, and I think the initial reaction, oh, no, we're going to call the game if you ask Jimbo whatever. But, but in the back of mind, it has to be on your mind that one snap – they're putting in a guy that I I don't can't even I don't even know I have to look up his name again. He's a mm-hmm. transfer, and, and suddenly you could be up in AT and T Stadium, packed house, and for whatever reason, if he just has a you know a, a, pulls up lame for something, and just has to go out for a series. What are Aggies going to think? Because they don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. Right. I. I I, I think this. I think that the things that you could maybe knock Max Johnson on last year was his ability to 
get through the progressions and realize, hey, I need to just tuck it and run here and pick up some yards. He he hung in the pocket for a long time, took some sacks. But especially the thing was the deep ball. If you look at his pass chart from last season, it was all within 10 yards and over the middle, basically, and, and, and not a whole lot of outside, not a whole lot of deep. What made me feel better about this offense with Max Johnson is, and you mentioned it, that touchdown throw of over 30 yards to Evan Stewart right down the middle, just perfectly laid into his arms over uh, two defenders, kind of a safety running it over. We never saw that from Max Johnson last year. And I think that that's a good sign that they still will be able to stretch the defense if they can with Max Johnson's arm. And it's not just 10 yard dinks and dunks here and there. And I think a lot of Aggies are concerned a problem could be or a potential is the same offensive line that at times could not block for Wegman might be, not be also blocked for Johnson. And once again is it gets back to the offensive line because why is Arkansas, their problems goes back. They have a new offensive line as well. They had a revamp, but a lot of injuries they're doing as well. So we, get, we see two teams that we're talking about the quarterbacks, and rightfully so because K.J. Jefferson is one of the best dual threats in the country. But it might come down to which team wins has the best offensive line. That's exactly. That's what I've said all the season about A&M. And I think there's no better uh, case than this season, this game, because it, it really was. It was uh, Layden Robinson not shifting over uh, onto his man that caught let, let the delayed blitz got through. And that's how uh, Connor Wegman got hurt. Um, it will be interesting to see how those offensive lines play. You mentioned K.J. Jefferson. This is the first time this season that A&M has seen a dual threat of his skill set. Now, I know there's not that many KJ Jeffersons around the country to begin with, but the ability to pass it efficiently and run the ball and have the strength and size that he has. Last year, A&M didn't really handle the dual threat quarterbacks well at times. Uh, do you, what do you think the A&M defense is... Um, chances are how, how do you think the AM defense stacks up against this uh against KJ Jefferson this year having not seen this kind of quarterback this year yeah I don't want to change I don't want to uh chase our our viewers away but I can't answer that because you're right they haven't mm-hmm. placed anybody KJ Jefferson's very good and I think it gets back to this AM's got to limit the big plays because when they lost two years ago he made big plays with his arm and legs and he made big plays last year by screwing up because they should have won the game. If he plays the game like he did uh, in 2021, they'd be on a two-game winning streak right now. So he's got a little bit of a revenge factor. And then I'm thinking, A&M's got a freshman quarter, a linebacker, York, that's played well, but he hasn't played anybody to that caliber yet, nor has he played anybody in 12-6A that was that good when he was hmm. at Temple. And then we've seen that I think Cooper – Edwin Cooper is very uh, improved from last year, but once again, he hasn't faced this quality of a quarterback. Too many times last year, I thought he was out of position. So Jefferson's the kind of guy, if you're out of position, it's going to be a 25-yard run or maybe even a 35-yard pass completion. So, you know, so much that we don't know that I think we're all excited about the game because the winner of this game is going to feel real good in a lot of ways, but I like the matchups. Because to me they're a little bit unknowns. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet a dollar on anything that we said so far. Because right. I'm with you. I like Johnson a lot, but it's just not him. If he doesn't get blocking, 
I don't care if he's right-handed or left-handed. Well, and tackling, because so much of what plagued them against Miami was tackling, Mm -hmm. especially on the outsides of the defense. And if if, uh, K.J. Jefferson gets around the outside, it's not going to be like anything that they saw against Miami. That's a big guy that you're going to have to bring down. No arm tackles are going to – or shoulder tackles are going to work against him. I think A&M's ability to – contain him in the pocket and tackle is going to be huge. And it, it, I mean, they have a good amount of receivers. There's a chance rocket Sanders, their, their standout be, running yeah. back could be back. Um, might be one of the more Miami is a great team and they, they could win the ACC, but save from Miami, it's going to be the most complete offense they've seen so far. I, I just have a lot of question marks about A&M's defense. And I've got a lot of things to look at as far as, Look at emotion both sides because you, you you touched on a little bit. I feel Arkansas felt they gave this game away. So the guy last year, so the guys coming back won a tone led by Jefferson. So they come in here, they've lost eleven out of twelve. They, they got a chip on their shoulders, you know. And we see a lot of weeks when Demon Demonte Richardson and Anaya Smith, great guys, great leaders. But you know how how much do you get up now? Smith got hurt this game last year, so I think it's a little bit personal. But for the upperclassmen. How do you get up for a guy, team you beat 11 out of 12 times? So I think Arkansas has got a little edge there. But what I like to see is Johnson's. Johnson's got the keys to the car. Okay, he's wanted to drive that car full-time since he got here. He got it last year, and he didn't know if he's going to have it for a long time. Even when he in that third game when he, when he, when he broke his hand, there was no guarantee he was going to be, be the quarterback in three or four games. I think, you know, the job is his, and he wants it. So what, what's he going to do? I'm, I'm very anxious to see what he does. I'm anxious to see how Arkansas comes out. As, as I said, you know, just three minutes ago, there's a lot of things I don't know that I'm excited to see how it pl- plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one to look out for, too, is uh, for me, at least, is Le'Veon Moss, um, a guy who seems to maybe be slowly separating himself from the pack with his ability to have size and speed there. Um, I, we've said it on podcasts before. I think Ruben Owens is going to be the best running back out of that group. But this season, with the development he has in his strength, Le'Veon Moss might be the guy to separate. I'll be curious to see how much they uh, use him, especially with Max Johnson, whatever, if it's going to be a different game plan, different look, how, what that's going to factor in. So we'll we'll end it off with this. I know this. we usually do this earlier in the week. Of course, everything is crazy, and so we could just get it done here late Thursday. So our prog picks are already out, which is not something that usually happens. You took A&M. I took Arkansas. Yep. Why'd you take A&M? Just because they have won those games, 11 out of 12 years. And Arkansas found a way to lose that game. Uh, going back to Brett Billiman, and, and actually I thought maybe Sam Pittman had changed that. When he won the game, you know, that was a great win. Last year they outplayed A&M except for Damani Richardson's return, the screw-ups by Jefferson. So I thought Arkansas maybe got over that hump because if the, you're, you're going in there with a two-game winning streak. But I think A&M, for whatever reason – the, the mojo they have against Arkansas. So if they had had that against other other teams, they'd be so much better. So I'm really going with the mojo. Just the fact that A&M, most times they play Arkansas, find a way to win. Yeah, and I went with Arkansas because this game seems every year it's a coin toss. because It doesn't matter what the records were. It doesn't matter who was ranked where. It doesn't matter what time of the day the game is played. That game is always going to come down to the wire. It's always going to be one interception, one Damani Richardson uh, uh, touchdown fumble recovery run away from from – from whoever's going to win that game. And so I, I think it's a coin toss. I could see either team winning. I think it's going to be a one score game. I just think 
LSU's coming into this game with a little bit more momentum Arkansas. with the way that, excuse me, Arkansas is, is coming into this game with a little bit more momentum with how they played at LSU. Yes, it was a loss and A&M beat uh, Auburn convincingly, but a- A&M stopped and started and sputtered through that game at times. And, and, it, and Auburn is going to be one of the worst teams in the West this year. LSU has proven that it might be the class of the West and Arkansas gave them everything they can handle. I just like that little bit of more momentum uh, and A&M's defense is unproven. That's why I went with Arkansas. And one more thing I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Bobby Petrino factor. Yes. You talk about emotion. You can see Sam Pittman if you go online. Everybody likes to do it. If you're Aggie fans, you've probably seen Pittman's two press conferences, one Monday, one Wednesday. You can tell that's a touchy subject just Mm -hmm. because Petrino was at Arkansas. There's many Razorback fans wish he was still there. So, you know, that's in Pittman's closet, you know. So this is a personal game for him. This is a personal game for Pittman. So you look at all that emotion, too, and and Jimbo. I mean, I, a lot of people, I'm walking my dog the other night, guys, stop saying this is the most important game of the year. This might be the most important game of, of Jimbo's. You, you know, it's always coach speak, but it is the next game. This is a huge game. And talking about Johnson, you come in, your first three games as A&M starter for good is going to be against Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You, and you got to look at this, too. I know everyone talks about, well, this this game will get out of Jerry World in two years. In two years, there's no guarantee that they're going to play this play game Arkansas. every year. Uh, because of it, it, they could not be what if they do the the 8-3, uh, or is it 9-3? I can't, math's hard. 6-3. Is that right? We don't know. No, we don't whatever know. it is. We don't know. The, if they have the three permanent Arm- opponents. Sixth rotate, yeah. Arkansas it wasn't in that pod yeah. from the first preliminary things that leaked out. Um, it might be an every four-year thing. So you got to savor. You, this is a fun one. This is. I know there's some people on sides that'll call this a rivalry. Or won't call it a rivalry. And with how the record has been, A&M winning so many games. But man, the intensity comes out in this game every year, and and you think about all the the memorable plays that come out of this game. You gotta you gotta savor this the last two years, just in case it's not around every year. Yeah, because old folks remember when they're in the Southwest Conference, so mm-hmm. so it means a lot to a lot of people. Just just th- you think the people we mentioned that mm-hmm. it means something to. Then the other people, da da da, and you go back to the, you know, guys like R.C. Slope are going to say they got screwed out of the game here when the. Arkansas graduate, the back judge made a, a pass interference call on Horton or A&M wins the game and I think it was 86 or 80. People remember that and that's what you like about a rivalry. Yeah, and you know what I like about this game? The spread in the press box. It's good food up there. And you get to see the cotton ball folks. Yes. You know, you get to see some folks you don't see and um, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not a big fan of neutral sites, but boy, if you're going to have a neutral site, the cotton ball people... And, and AT&T is the place to be. Yes, it is. Hey, everybody. Uh, we will, if you're watching this on video, thanks for watching. If you're listening to this on the My Aggie Nation podcast, we always have the special treat when it comes around. It's the great Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I talked with him a little bit earlier this week about the Arkansas side of things. So stay tuned for that next. What's going on, everyone? I'm Travis Brown with The Eagle. Uh, we're here to break down Texas A&M's opponent. That's Arkansas this week up at AT&T Stadium. And who better to do that than the legend Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette? Bob, how's it going? Uh, let's, we'll just start off with uh, what's the biggest storylines for the Razorbacks coming into what's always a crazy game in Arlington? Well, they, they need to start winning some games. Uh, you know, they're 2-2. Two two. They've had a couple heart, <laughs> heartbreaking losses. 
loss at home to BYU, you know, who's got a solid team, but let's face it, they're not Alabama or LSU or, or Georgia. And uh, Arkansas had a 14-point lead in the first half and lost it, had a 10-point lead in the third quarter, about seven minutes left in the third quarter, and couldn't hold and got beat 38-31. So a, uh, you know, one-score one loss. Then they go to their big underdogs at LSU, I think about 17 and a half points. They get on there and really play their guts out. Led thirteen to three in the first half, uh, fell behind. You know they they held LSU down for most of the first half, and then you know Jaden Daniels and those receivers, Malik neighbors, and got going, and they were up on Arkansas, and KJ Jefferson just kept answering back, and Arkansas tied it up, uh, twenty four all, thirty one all. It was kind of like a couple of heavyweights going at it between KJ Jefferson and Jaden Daniels, and at the end. Uh, uh, LSU was able to put a nice drive together and run down to five seconds, kick a chip shot field goal to win it. So another real tough loss for Arkansas. And, uh, you know, and then as you point out, they've had a lot of uh, tough losses day and M and, and lost some games that you kind of scratch your head and go, how did they not win that game? But the Yankees have found a way to win the game all but once. Arkansas beat them in 2021, I guess it was, but otherwise I think Arkansas has lost seven of eight or eight of nine, nine of 10. It's whatever of whatever it's bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so Arkansas, I know A&M needs it too. And Jimbo Fisher really needs it, but Arkansas, I mean, this is, this is, a even though it's only, I guess the fifth game of the year, it's really a big, big game for both teams. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, a lot of people would say, in the SEC, especially if you have a quarterback, you're on the, the right path. KJ Jefferson is a great quarterback. What's been going wrong for um, the, 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 the Hogs uh, around him that, that they haven't been able to, to notch a few more of those wins? Well, it's a, f a few things. Uh, one is they haven't had Rocket Sanders, their all-SEC tailback, or running back the last three games. And he didn't have a great game against uh, Western Carolina to open the season. They they won the game easily, 56-13, but they really stacked the box. KJ had a big game passing-wise. And then we didn't realize the time, but I guess the next day, uh, uh, Sanders had some swelling in his knee, and he hadn't played since. So that's a big that's a big guy to take out of your lineup. They have some other good running backs. Uh, Rashad Dominion had a real good game at LSU, and, and uh, A.J. Green, who banked up his shoulder some, didn't have many carries against LSU, but he'd had a couple good games. But no offense, they're not Rocket Sanders. Mm -hmm. And then the offensive line has really been in flux. Uh, uh, Brady Latham, their right guard, is the only guy who – I'm sorry, left guard is the only player who started at that same spot last year. You know, they lost Ricky Stromberg, their, their great center. He was the third-round pick by Washington in the NFL draft. And they had a couple other uh, long, you know, experienced tackles who, uh, who you know, were seniors. And then um, Bo Limmer, who, who's, you know, was a really good guard, he moved to center, but he's still kind of – his first game at center was Liberty Bowl and they beat Kansas. So he's still getting kind of used to it. They got young tackles. They got three young tackles. And uh, Latham was banged up, they, but they've had a lot of issues with false starts, holds. And, um, you know, so they projected KJ pretty well last week, but but BYU really got to him. And then LSU got to him, too, because let's face it, LSU's got some pretty good defensive linemen. And we know Harold Perkins is a terror. So uh, the offensive line's been an issue. Um, they've got a really, really good young tight end, Luke Haas, who's a freshman, and he looks like the real deal. He had two touchdown catches against LSU. And he's, if fans remember Hunter Henry, who was a great tight end for Arkansas, the Mackey Ward winner. Plays in the NFL now for the Patriots. He kind of looks like like Hunter Henry, and he's a true freshman. 
and uh, but they're breaking in some new receivers through the transfer portal. But I'd say that the biggest issue has been the offensive line. You know, they they just got to get, get it together and maybe get some more experience for those guys. I'm sure playing Death Valley, you know, uh, that gave them a good learning experience, even mm-hmm. if it didn't work out. They did score 31 points on LSU. So I think they've taken that going into the game. But but overall, that, that's been an issue is the offensive line. It's probably been the biggest thing on offense. What can you make of the, the defensive secondary? A&M has really shown themselves, even with Max Johnson in at quarterback, that they can whip the ball around under former uh, Arkansas head coach Bobby Petrino and his uh, offense. Um, what do you make of the secondary, and, and how do you like uh, that matchup between A&M's passing uh, offense and the, the defensive secondary? Well, yeah, we all know, uh, or if you pay attention to college football, Arkansas's pass defense last year was awful. I think it was 129th or 130th. I think they were one or two spots out of the bottom. They really, really struggled. And they've had a big overhaul there. Uh, now, they do have Dwight Nudie's nickname McLaughlin back, and he was one of the guys that was not a problem last year. He was all SEC, had four picks. This year he's got two picks, had one at LSU, forced a fumble that, against BYU. He's a real ball hawk. And uh, he's a top-flight uh, uh, cornerback. Anybody would love to have him. He's a transfer from LSU in his second year. They brought in uh, Jaheim Singletary, who's a young guy from Georgia. Uh, freshman, he had trouble getting on the field at Georgia. Imagine that. <laughs> he's a really talented player, but he's still learning. He's young. He didn't play much last year. They've got a couple of uh, transfers from Baylor. Snacks, that's a S-N-A-X-X, J- J- Johnson, who's, he can play uh, nickel, he can play uh, safety. Al Walcott, who's from Baylor, he's an older guy, he's a good safety. Hudson Clark, who's been at Arkansas a long time, he's actually, his dad works for the Cowboys. He came as a walk-on and earned a scholarship after he picked off Matt Corral three times in the same game. And so they've got some older guys back there, but they're, they're still kind of trying to get it together. And really, you know, we all know, a lot of what the secondary does depends on what kind of pressure that, you know, Arkansas can get up front and their new defensive coordinator, Travis Williams is known for blitzing, but you can't just, you know, bring the house every, every play. And so Arkansas needs to be able to get some heat on Max Johnson or, or Connor Wegman, whoever the starting quarterback is. And, you know, it'd help a lot if they could do it with four guys or five or something, but the secondary is better and answer your original question. Secondary is better, but you know, they still have some issues, and I know A&M's got really good receivers, and so that, that'll be a matchup to watch because um, Arkansas has been vulnerable. They really struggled against LSU in the second half, but you know a lot of teams are going to struggle against LSU's receivers and, and Jaden Daniels. After, after having the tight end sprinkle a couple years ago and then bumper pool for about 18 years, I'm convinced that Snack's transfer was just simply to have one of those all-name, all-SEC players back on the team that Arkansas seems to, to always have. you got to have a crazy name on, on the Arkansas team every year. Uh, so uh, what, what, what is the pre- – not only for this game, but with how the season starts, what's kind of the pressure feeling like, the pressure index on Sam Pittman right now uh, and, and the program? Well, I mean, the fans aren't happy. And there's – you know, Sam, uh, uh, we saw, uh, like it was Friday or Saturday, we – Unless something weird had happened, you know, we saw he shut down his, his Twitter account or X or whatever the heck it's called these <laughs> days. I still call it Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sue me or whatever. But uh, And uh, Tom Murphy, uh, who works for us, he's the main beat guy for the Democrat Gazette. He asked Sam about that Monday, and Sam was very forthcoming about, you know, he, just, he knew he was getting bashed on there. And he said, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, people were making fun of his appearance and stuff. And... uh 
he said, Hey, if you want to question my coaching or call me out on that, that, but, but to make fun of, of, you know, person's appearance, he talked about they were getting on the players. Now he had to, had to raise the morale of the players. And so he just thought it was a good, uh, good idea to just kind of shut that down. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's some heat on Sam, but I think people, any logical thinking person has to understand he took over a program that the three previous years was one in 23 in the SEC. And his first year, you know, he, he, he got, uh, took over in COVID, which I think that that was tough for everybody. Right. But especially a new coach and a first time head coach. And then on top of that, it's a 10 game SEC schedule. And when, when they remember they had that big thing on the SEC network revealing who they added, mm-hmm. Arkansas, they added Georgia and Florida, both, mm-hmm. not one, both. So I remember looking at that schedule and thinking, you know, Arkansas could be a better team. I don't know if they can win a game. I don't think they were favored in any of those games. And they went three and seven and really they should have beaten Auburn. They got, you know, screwed on a call at the very end. I mean, uh, you know, the SEC admitted they messed that up. And so really they were four and six against an all SEC schedule. And so that was really, you know, that was an incredible job in my, in my book uh, by Jeff Sam and his coaching staff and the players. And the next year they really had a great year, went nine and four, everything kind of fell right for them. And then last year they, they lost four games by combined nine points, just didn't go their way. You know, KJ missed a couple games. He was banged up in some others. And uh, but they managed to beat Kansas, which I know a lot of people think Kansas in football, but actually Kansas had a pretty good team last year and they got a pretty good team this year. And Arkansas uh, had a bunch of guys missing because of opt outs for whatever reason, NFL or transfer portal, and they found a way to win that game. And so that was a close win. But yeah, there's some heat on Sam. I mean, just like there would be on any, there's probably some South Carolina fans as good as South Carolina did last year, you know, beating Clemson, beating Tennessee. Wow, they're one and they're one and three, right? Mm -hmm. I think. Or maybe it's two and two, but I mean, people are upset because they lost to North Carolina and then they, they couldn't hold the lead against Georgia. So, um, you know, welcome to the SEC. There are probably some Auburn fans that are mad, that are mad at Hugh Freeze because they threw for 56 yards. So, yes, he has feeling some heat, but I think any logical thinking person has to understand that overall he's done a pretty solid job, but they obviously want to start start seeing some wins. Sure. Uh, it seems like the question we have to ask every year, even though I know that there's only two more years left on this contract, How? what is the feeling around the Arkansas fan base about this game being in Arlington? Do you expect it to be uh, as big a crowd as usually comes? Is it a, uh, there, is there some fatigue with this game? What, what, do you, what do you have as the feeling around the fan base that you can read? Yeah, fatigue's probably a good word. I think if Arkansas had done better, the fan base would look, look at playing in Arlington totally differently. When when Bob Petrino was a coach and, and and Arkansas was beating AM and it was a non-conference game, Arkansas loved playing in AT Stadium. You know, and it's obviously a good payday for both teams. I think both teams every year get about five million. It's it's an expensive ticket and the parking's expensive, but I think fans generally speaking, they like going to Dallas because you know it's a fun place to go, or you know, the the, the Metroplex, the DFW Metroplex. And um, we know there's a lot of good restaurants and fun stuff to do. And it's a cool stadium, you know, it's, it's Jerry world and, it, you know, they played Super Bowls there and all that. I think, you know, for the, the high school kids in Texas, you know, some of them have played in state, uh, you know, playoff games there, but I, it, it's safe to say that when this contract ends next year in 2024, this game is going back to the campuses. I think there's probably feeling amongst Arkansas fans and, you know, maybe the administration that, if some of these recent games were in Fayetteville, maybe Arkansas wins those, you know, those tight games that keep going against them. Maybe they win those games in Fayetteville. They're not winning them, probably not winning those in, in College Station. They're certainly not winning them in Arlington. But I think it's been a fun thing and a, a good run. But 
Um, I think Arkansas fans and probably AM fans too, they're ready to get it back on campus. Because when you have, when it's a road game, it's great. You know, it means you only have three true road games in the SEC. But when it's your home game, it's rough because Arkansas is going through a stretch. You know, they played BYU on, what was that, September 16th? Mm-hmm. They, their next home game in Fayetteville is uh, is October 21st against Mississippi State. They have four straight games, all SEC away from home. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not a schedule anybody wants to play. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, they're playing at LSU, at Ole Miss, at Alabama, and A&M. So it's kind of like, what do they do to piss off the SEC office, you know, to give them, but if, but if this was, it's their home game. So if it was normal, they'd have at least have this game in favor. They don't have any games in favor and they start off their first four conference games. I looked it up at since 1925, mm-hmm. where they played their first four conference games away from home. And this is kind of a weird deal. One of those uh, home game, one of those road games, was a game in Shreveport against LSU, and it counted as a conference game. This was before the the SEC had been formed, and I, I don't know why, but for a reason. There's nobody from 1925 to ask about it <laughs> that I can find, but the, the, they played LSU from 25 to 29. It counted as a Southwest Conference game, so go figure. But uh, I guess I'm getting off on a tangent there. But bottom line is, yeah, I think Arkansas fans are ready to get this game in Fayetteville when, when it's their home game. Yeah, this this game does create some scheduling nightmares for the SEC. Last A and M had that last year where they had, if you threw a bye week in there, there was six straight weeks away from uh, Kyle Field. Uh, I think it was the longest streak since the mid '80s when they were re- renovating Kyle Field and they had to play in Houston a couple of weeks for for home games. So yeah, this this game does create some of those scheduling uh, issues for them. We'll, we'll close out with this. I'll, I'll give you the option either. I don't know if you have uh, a prediction in mind or if that's something you want to do or if you want to give. Uh, uh, keys to to what you think Arkansas needs to do to win this game or both, but uh, what what's your what's your thoughts on the game as far as how it's going to turn out and what Arkansas needs to do to if they're going to be successful? Well, yeah, I don't, as a beak, I don't really like to pick a team and a score. I'll say this: uh, I think I'm fairly safe in saying this. I think it's going to be very close, <laughs> and there's going to be some screwy plays. Uh, whether that's uh, somebody returning a fumble, 99 yards, or uh, some getting called back or kickoff return. There, there's going to be some some head scratching plays, but I think it's going to be real close. If one team gets up by a couple touchdowns, you know, no lead is safe in this in this uh, in this game. I think we've we've discovered. And uh, uh, for Arkansas, I mean, they just need to, they probably some of this is just basic football 101. But you know, they probably need to need to win the turnover battle. You know, either don't turn it over or, or get a couple takeaways. Uh, need to you know hit their field goals right you know cam is a really good kicker and he had that one bounce off the top of the upright and because it was the taller nfl uprights who knows if that another if that was played on campus it might have turned out differently who knows but there, there's always some weird like that but uh, you know the offensive line has to get some of those issues resolved you know they can't be having all these false starts and and uh um you know holding calls and jumping off sides and stuff. And we know it may not be as loud as Death Valley, but it's it's a dome stadium, and there's going to be a lot of fans from both schools. So it's going to be a loud environment. So they need to really clean up some of those some of those offense, offensive line issues. And I think K.J. Jefferson needs to have a big game, he needs to throw the ball, obviously, which he does well, but I think he needs to have a big game running the ball too. Yeah, there you go. Bob, real quick, to let the people know where they can read your stuff and find you on Twitter, X, or, you know, MySpace or whatever you're on these days. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's funny. It's kind of like your own number, right? You don't know because you never tell it, but I think I'm Bob Holt. I think I'm at Bob Holt, A-D-G, stands for Arkansas Democrat Gazette on X. 
And then we have we have different websites. We have ArkansasOnline.com. We have NWAO Online. That's Northwest Arkansas. We actually have a separate uh, zoned edition for Northwest Arkansas. And then we also have WholeHogSports.com, which you can probably guess that's devoted, you know, exclusively to Razorback coverage. There you go. Well, that's Bob Holt from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Uh, be sure to look up and read some of his stuff from the Arkansas Eagle and check the Eagle.com for uh, all of our stuff leading up to that game from the Aggie side of things. Uh, thanks so much for watching, everybody. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, the way the must have seems. But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good loving needs a girl, we know that's true. If we want to keep it, we got to watch everything that we do. Yeah, yeah. Just want to make sure my baby, make sure you're sticking with me. Be all that we can be, all that we can be.